I believe that everything that I have, energy, time, money, everything I had to invest into my professional growth. Nothing can be further from the truth. <laughs> I had to I had to learn it a hard way. A couple of years ago, I suffered massive burnout, complete burnout. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. This episode is sponsored by ASTOTS Academy's online course, How to Start Building Your Wealth, Investing in the Stock Market. I wrote this course for those who want to go from feeling frustrated, intimidated, or overwhelmed by the stock market to becoming confident and in control of their financial future. Go to myworstinvestmentever.com slash deals to claim your discount now. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts, and I am here with featured guest Maria Radish. Maria, are you ready to rock? Of course. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> so Maria is a keynote speaker, the two-time TEDx speaker, and a thought leader on human potential and well-being. She has built two businesses and several careers as a lawyer, university lecturer, and interpreter, being fluent in five languages. Maria holds five university degrees in law and economics. She has lived in the USA, Europe, Eastern Europe, and for the last 13 years in Australia. Maria is from a family of medical practitioners, and over the last few years, she's been focusing on researching and offering insights as a citizen scientist and thought leader on adaptability. Through most of her life, Maria herself suffered anxiety and burnouts. She changed her life significantly and her goal is to educate and aid as many people as possible to transform and create for themselves healthier and happier lives. Maria, can you take a moment and fill any further tidbits about your life? I don't know what to add. You gave me such a beautiful and thorough introduction. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Um, I was literally teared up at the end there for a moment, just thinking about <laughs> having suffered anxiety and burnouts yourself. You know, I appreciate the honesty there. And then talking about your goal of educating people, it touches me, you know, so I really appreciate that. So just tell us a little bit more about what drives you or who you are. Who I am. Well, through my entire life, my main goal was to help other people. It's just, I did it in different ways, in particular as a lawyer and as an interpreter and as a lecturer. But what I'm doing now, and it, it was very exciting. Every career that I built was very interesting, was very exciting. But what I'm doing now as a speaker, this is where I found my calling. I'm very happy that I'm doing that now. And I would love to continue speaking and researching and sharing my insights into how to thrive as a human being in 2020s. That's so critical. I mean, this has been a, such a hard year. And I know we're recording this, by the way, on Christmas Day. So Merry Christmas to you and to the listeners out there. But one of the things I can say is that people know me as a positive person, try to always have positive energy and speak positively. In fact, I, I did a little thing many years ago where I created a little mantra and the mantra went like this, all my words are positive. And I just repeated that mantra all the time. And my objective was to, to really try to encourage myself to always be speaking positive because I used to speak, oh, I'm so tired and I'm stressed and all that. And I really found that that was really helpful. 
But I'm just curious. I mean, even for me as a pretty positive person, this year has been brutal. Imagine the people that have less resources, that are struggling, they have less family support. I'm just curious, maybe you could just give us a little tidbits about the types of things that you share with people before we get into the big question of the podcast. What are some tidbits of what you've learned and what you like to share that could help our listeners? It was indeed a very interesting year, to say the least. And of course, it all comes down to what have we learned to 2020? Have we grown or did we just complain through the year? Did we make wiser decisions? Did we speak to ourselves you know, in a positive way, or I'd rather call it useful way. Mm-hmm. So I don't refer to it as positive thinking, but I refer to it as a useful thinking. And everyone had their own problems, whether single people like me, we struggled with certain things, <laughs> being yep. isolated. But there was also families with kids who had to homeschool. For example, I have a lot of friends who are building their own businesses. And on top of that, they had to homeschool their children and some of them have two, three kids. It was really, really, I can't even imagine how they Mm. managed to get through this. And everyone had struggles, everyone had problems, but it all comes down to, it's less about what actually happens to us and much, much more important is how we perceive it. So what is the perception about what's happening and what do we do about it? What do we learn from it? So we can't control what happens to us. The only thing we can control is our reaction to it. So I think this is the most important lesson that we had to learn for 2020s, that life has become very unpredictable. And it was even before COVID, Mm. life was already very unpredictable and fast-paced. So yeah, it all comes down to how adaptable we are and how resilient we are in particular when something happens and how we take it from there. Mm. So for the listeners, I mean, I think that's a great, a great reminder that it, it's not about the events that are happening. It's about how we react to them. I know there's sometimes in my past in this year that I resorted to prayer where I just needed to get on my knees and it wasn't even so much it wasn't religious. It was just that I had to kind of accept that what's going on around me, I can't control it all. And if I tried to control it, I'm just going to really. And I also, the second part of that was the idea that I like the idea of surrender to win. I just need to let go a little bit and just let the, let it happen and trust that I can get through it. And then I think the second thing that helped me in this year from an adaptability perspective and how I reacted to things is that it really strengthened my network with my best friends, the people I trust, where I could call them and say, you know, exactly how I was feeling. I was terrified or I didn't know, you know, what was going to happen. And the third thing about my business life is that I realized that some of the products that I was selling to institutions and financial institutions, the product, the sales cycle is already pretty long and they're not going to be buying anything this year. So I shifted a lot of my work to improving my online courses and selling them out to the world. And so that was a shift that I had to do to try to say, how do I you know, make shift and make something out of this year? So those are some ideas about the way I adapted. Is there any other thoughts that you could give for the audience about, for the listeners about tips about how to adapt? 
Well, just to add to what we already discussed is that naturally our brain is wired to focus on negative. That's just how we evolved. This is how we survived initially as a species. But life has changed. And what was working for us during Stone Age is working against us these days. And what's interesting is that it's different parts of the brain that produce negative thoughts and positive thoughts. So it all comes down to simply rewiring our brain. And the easiest way to do it is just to catch yourself whenever we have negative thoughts brewing, is to catch yourself and stop and think, hang on, is this train of thought actually working for me or is it working against me? Is Mm. it being useful to me, what I'm thinking about now? And if it's not, then change it and think of whatever is happening in a useful way. And, you know, it could start with something very simple, like noticing what kind of weather it is when you go out. This is what worked for me. This is where I started that as soon as I would leave home, I would pay attention to, you know, is it warm? Is it sunny? If it's rainy, I would tell myself, oh, you know, it's going to smell really nice after the rain and the grass is going to be greener. If it's a bit of a wind, it, it feels really nice on your skin. So I started paying attention to those little things and mm-hmm. just exercise useful thinking in regards to those little simple things as the weather. And I think after a couple of weeks, it just took me a couple of weeks to to notice changes in my thinking and realizing that I look at other things differently as well. And I no longer let myself to fall into that pit of negativity and despair. Because for most of my life, this is what was happening. I was constantly Mm -hmm. anxious. It's something that I did copy from my dad. (laughs) He was always worried about something. Mm. It's one of the traits that I did copy from him, that I was either busy or busy stressing out about something all the time. And yeah, I just let my brain to be the driver while we have to jump on the driver's seat and take control of our brain because brain is a very poor master, but is an excellent servant. So once we understand that, once we understand that actually we need to take charge of our brain, we need to take charge of our thoughts in particular, and we start doing those little things like noticing how blue the sky is or how nice the temperature is or how beautiful snow is, depending where you are at the moment. Mm. It's all about little things, seriously. It's not about doing something grand Hmm. when we want to change our thinking, when we want to change our attitude. It's just being consistent with little things. And the way we do little things will be translated into everything else in our life. Wow. So for the listeners out there, here's your challenge. For Maria, you can see that it's not about big things. Also, I think the lesson I take from what you've said is it's about your things. It's not about someone else's. It may be for you a flower. It may be for you a hug. It may be for you the weather. It may be for you the wind. Whatever it is, pick that thing. And for me, one of the things, you know, since I I have a chance to live with my, my mother, who's 82, when my father passed away, I brought her to Thailand. So she lives with me. And so... Sometimes when it gets really tough, I just go and give her a big hug. And I think, how lucky am I? And I say, sometimes I'll say to her, you know why I'm giving you a hug? And she says, no. And I said, because I can. And, you know, I'm cherishing the moment. Last thing I'd say before we get into the big question of the podcast is my best friend Dale always says this, which I just think so helpful for me. 
I am not my thoughts. 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 You know, my thoughts are not me. They are just a stream, a flow of memories and reactions that are flowing into me, but they are not me. And so I think those are some of the things that, that I take away. So for the listeners out there, here's your challenge. Pick your one thing, start today, focus on it. And as Maria said, it doesn't take long, just a few weeks of focusing on something that's special to you and it can really make a difference in your life. So that's valuable. I appreciate it. And now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one ever goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. Circumstances. I was a grinder through most of my life. I just kept grinding. And you know that famous quote, rise and grind. <laughs> I was the depiction of that quote. I started grinding from five years old. Already at five, I was going to music school. I was preparing to start regular school. I just moved countries. I had to learn a different language. At 15, I was already preparing to do my first university degree. By 25, I already built three careers, including being interpreter fluent in five languages and so on. So I just kept grinding and I just kept focusing on my professional growth. And I believe that that was the most important thing that we're supposed to do. And I believe that everything that I have, energy, time, money, everything I had to invest into my professional growth. Nothing can be further from the truth. <laughs> I had to I had to learn it a hard way. A couple of years ago, I suffered massive burnout, complete burnout. And this is what I talk about in my second TEDx talk about mm. my experience with that. It was so bad. I just felt burnt into ashes. I was in so much pain all over my body. And I had to keep a cup of coffee by my bed. If I wanted to actually get out of bed in the morning, I had to keep a cup of coffee by my bed to have it first thing in the morning and some painkillers in order to try to get out of bed. That was that bad. I let it happen. My fault. I just kept grinding and I kept dismissing it and powering through and I did not take care of my health at all. And once again, because I thought that best investment was to invest everything into my professional growth. Mm. So what I learned from it is that actually it's personal development that's the best investment that you can make. In particular, because if you want to grow professionally, whether business-wise or career-wise or something else that you're doing professionally, we cannot grow ourselves. If we want to go to the next level professionally, we need to go to the next level personally first. And also, it's not time that is the most precious commodity that we have. You know, so many people are saying that, oh, time is precious. It's the most precious thing that we get. And so many people are talking about time management. But the thing is that actually you can't manage time. Mm. And time is not that most precious asset. Energy. Our health, our energy is the most precious commodity that we have. And it's not about time management. It's about self-management. So, yeah, I had to learn it a hard way that if I want to be successful in my life, if I want to feel fulfilled, if I want to be happy, the first and very important, the most important thing that I have to do is to take care of my health. Mm. Wow. So 
let me think about some things that you raised for me. When I was younger, I just ran, 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 you know, at work. And I didn't exercise. I just, I grinded, just like you say. In fact, I thought in business that just grinding would bring you success. And the irony of it is that if all you do is grind, lots of great stuff and great work and all that, you're not going to make it to the top because there's more than just hard work involved in success. It's about relationships. It's about building trust. It's about sitting down and listening to others. There's so much more. And it's oftentimes like when I look at a lot of people I know start up businesses and starting up businesses is also an interesting one because a lot of times people go into it thinking that they're going to be able to do the thing that they love. But in fact, they're overloaded with all kinds of things like accounting. Who cares about accounting? I'm making the world a better place or whatever. And then, you know, you kind of get into this situation where you realize in life that there's so many aspects that you got to manage. And for me, also single all my life and having my mom in my life, my sister jokes with me and she says, she said to me, well, you had your first child when she was 82. <laughs> Meaning my mom is kind of the first time that I've had to stop, you know, my life and focus on someone else. And I think that's, that's been a challenge for me. And also it's been an awakening and it's awakened in me a whole different angle and a whole different part of life that I want more of. And so I think that the last thing that I would take away from it too is about the physical aspect of taking care of our body. For me, I particularly, I'm not a person who really likes exercise. I have a friend of mine and she's like, she can't get out of the gym. Yeah, she'll go there for half an hour and she won't leave for two hours because she just wants to keep going on that treadmill or whatever. And I'm like, you are absolutely nuts. And for me, I'm not the type of person that really likes it. So the way I do it is I just do mental tricks where I say, look, first thing in the morning, make an espresso. When you hear that espresso machine, boom, that's your trigger. Turn it on, make your espresso, and then get out the door. And just get out the door. And I kind of negotiate, okay, I'm either going to go to yoga, which starts really early, or I'm going to go do rowing at the gym nearby, or I'm going to go walk in the park, or I'm going to ride my bike. Pick whichever one and do, do it. First thing, and it's got to be one of the best things I've ever done because what it does for me is it's the best feeling is like at about four in the afternoon asking yourself, did I, did I exercise today? I don't even really remember. And it's like, yeah, it's done. So those are some of the things I take away from what you're sharing. Is there anything else you would add? It's interesting that when we think about health, usually first thing that pops up in our mind is exercising. Exercising is important, but, you know, it can be as little as 10 minutes a day. It doesn't necessarily have to be two hours as your friend is doing. And we all are very, very different. So we shouldn't really copy others. If something is working for our friends or for a celebrity or if we read it in a book, it doesn't mean that it's going to work for us. So we need to listen to our body when it comes to exercising. Mm. But interestingly, while exercise is important, once again, it's probably the least important thing when it comes to our health. Nutrition is several times more important than exercising. And sleep, getting proper sleep, is more important than nutrition and exercise put together. 
So that's one of those misconceptions that if you want to get healthy, then you have to live in the gym. Mm. Absolutely not. It's actually what you eat and how you eat. And most importantly is whether you sleep properly, whether you get enough hours and whether it's quality sleep. This is the most important thing that you can do for yourself. So once again, you come back to this idea of kind of there's many aspects. Here I am focusing on one, you know, exercise, exercise. But if I'm neglecting my nutrition and I also think about the other when when the 1997 crisis happened in Asia, my best friend and I had recently set up our coffee business that we have here and we had set up a factory and we ended up having to live in the factory because everything was, there was no sales and it was a disaster. And we lived in the factory and struggled to get by. We managed to get through it. And then we moved into a little condo, which was very cheap near the factory. Things started to get a little bit better, but Dale was still really struggling with depression and other things. And a friend of mine, a friend of ours was selling an old vintage drum set for a really cheap price. And so I bought it and I gave it to Dale as a Christmas present or as a birthday present because Dale was a drummer. And then he started drumming and then he formed a band and then he started drumming all the time and practicing again like he used to. And drumming was one of the things that helped bring him out of the depression. And the irony of it is from a mental health perspective, sometimes when things are going bad, you hold on tighter, you work harder. I can control this. I can make this better. But in fact, sometimes you need to let it go. And Dale often attributes his improvements in his mental health for the times that he devoted to drumming and the, the fun and the connection he, he reconnected with that allowed him to, to break away from work. And then also when he came back to work, he was much more, his vitality was much stronger. So, you know, you talked about, I mentioned about fitness or exercise. You mentioned about nutrition. You mentioned about health. And also, you know, there's that, that mental, emotional, you know, find some things that you love, find some things to do outside of work. Because <laughs> right now it's easier to just hold on tight, work harder, but you're not going to get much result out of that when everything is in crisis. So any other thoughts about that? Yeah, I would like to add that anxiety and depression are misunderstood. In particular, they are treated as illnesses, but I believe they are symptoms. And the main thing, if you want to overcome anxiety or depression, the main thing is not searching for happiness, because this is what usually people think, and I used to think, that solution is making yourself happy. But while there are a lot of misconceptions about what happiness is and how to achieve it, actually, the key is not happiness, but our resilience. If we improve our resilience, we become less prone to anxiety and or depression. Can, when, can you tell me what does resilience mean to you? So this is something that we already touched on, that it's not so much about what happens to us, but how we react to it. So resilience is about how well do we withstand when something does happen. Mm. And this is the key, the most important element of being adaptable, being resilient. So when something happens, do we stand it and move on, you know? 
Mm. Think of ways, okay, how can I adapt in this situation? What can I do and go into implementation? So I do believe that resilience, working on resilience is the most important thing that we can do when it comes to our adaptability. And the reason why I keep bringing adaptability is because it's not the strongest or the smartest who survives, it's at most adaptable. And there are so many experts who say that and repeat it and prove it that if you work on your adaptability intentionally, then you're going to survive whatever happens. Like it's not going to match up what happens through life to you. So being resilient, and I talk about resilience as a three-legged chair. Mm-hmm. So just to picture, just to depict it, if someone wants to be more resilient, they have to build that three-legged chair for themselves. So think of sitting on a chair if one of the legs is not strong enough or if it's too short or if it's missing it's very difficult to you know maintain that stability you constantly have to adjust yourself and you're struggling with the chair and if something happens like a storm or rain or anything else it will easily knock you down but if you build a strong chair if you make sure that all three legs are strong and even and you're sitting comfortably on the chair when something happens it's easier for you to withstand it to begin with Mm. so with those three legs the most important one is at the back which is our health both physical and mental this is the most important leg that we need to work on because in particular if that leg is not built properly, if it's not strong enough, if it's wobbly, if if it's too short, this is where it's the hardest to balance on that chair, to sit on that chair. So this is the most important leg. And I talk about it as one leg, physical and mental health. They are intertwined. You have to work on both of them at the same time. I don't separate them. I don't understand why they're separated, why it's either one or the other that is talked about or taught about. These two things have to be addressed together and worked on together, physical health and mental health. So this is the leg at the back. And at the front, there are two other legs. One leg is our relationships, or I would rather specify that it's about the quality of our relationships, not the quantity, but the quality of our relationships. And you mentioned earlier how your circle helped you through tough times and the same in my life and everyone else's life that relationships are really really important for our resilience in particular my dad also passed away he died two years ago and that was tough that was probably the hardest period of my life and I made it through only thanks to my friends to support of my friends Mm. So that second leg is our relationships, the quality of our relationships, the depth of our connections with other people. And third leg is our professional achievements or our professional fulfillments. And what's interesting is that there's this misconception, this is something that I misunderstood for most of my life, that was the leg that I was focusing on, professional Mm. fulfillment. That was I was working on and focusing on fully. And giving everything to to that leg while that leg is actually the least important one it is important but it's the least important one our relationships and our health are much 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 more important and they need proper attention and we need to work on all three legs at the same time if we want to be resilient and the more resilient we become the less stressed out we are by life Mm. and as a result we're going to experience less anxiety and less depression Wow. So three legs to the stool, health, 
quality of relationships and you really surprised me with number three about <laughs> professional because a lot of times people don't acknowledge that part because they're talking about making yourself feel better or whatever and one of the experiences I had in the 97, going back again to the 1997 crisis, which happened, centered and started in Thailand, I was out of work for a year and a half and I couldn't find work and our factory wasn't pretty, I mean, we just couldn't sell much. It was, it was really tough. And what I learned, I mean, I, I went into some depression at that time. I also lost my sister during that time. So it was a very tough time. And I learned something that some people may argue with this and I'm okay. Think about it however you think about it. But I realized that a portion of my self-worth as a man is my success at my job. And I guess it kind of goes back to caveman days where the job of a man was to go out and get food while his wife may be pregnant or taking care of the kids. And if you're not succeeding in that, then it's going to be awful at home. And so I later had a chance to take a break in between jobs. And I just realized I don't need a six-month break. I enjoy work and, and I derive pleasure and also self-worth from my work. And there's nothing wrong with that. So that's one of the things that I like about how you include the professional aspects in it. <laughs> it's not just about building career or making money. It could be, for example, doing volunteer work doing charity work or creating paintings or writing music for yourself so it's not necessarily how much we earn and it's not necessarily has to do with building a business or building a career but it could do something with our hobbies or whether it's about whether we feel that fulfillment and it can come from you know you can achieve it in different ways yep so i'm going to wrap up this section by just telling a quick story about that. And that was during that time of depression and really tough times. Somehow I found out about a, a man, a husband and wife here in Thailand that had a orphanage and a, what was called the Child Protection Foundation. And they would go out and rescue kids that were in these awful situations, just awful, being thrown out by their families, by being just abused, physical, sexual, all kinds of different problems. And then they built this facility and then they had the kids there and then they tried to provide them with a good environment. So when I learned about it, I went to meet them and I said, you know, is it possible I could volunteer in some way? And, you know, my tie at the time was okay, you know, but it wasn't. But of course, the kids tie is, you know, not sophisticated. So mine wasn't bad. I could communicate. And so I started volunteering there and I, I started just going there with really not to even like, I don't know, sometimes you could go and say, I'm going to teach English or I'm going to do something structured. And I just thought, no, I'm just going to spend time with these kids. And it was amazing. I mean, it was amazing. The kids just, they really wanted to play. And we played basketball. We ran around and, you know, just did all these things. And then I was just throwing a ball with one kid. He was sitting in the corner and we were just going back and forth, throwing a ball. And that kid was just laughing and we were just having so much fun. And then later, the husband and wife, they showed me the story of this kid who had been physically and sexually abused, had been discarded by his family, and he had every right to sit in that corner and just cry. And instead, he just really wanted to play with that ball, and he just wanted to connect. And I just, it was that very moment, I can picture it, that 
that turned me around to think, whoa, 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 wait a minute, that this depression, that I'm feeling the loss of my sister, the loss of job, it's a difficult environment. But my interaction with this kid has, this little kid has taught me that be happy and grateful for what you have. And so for those people that are struggling out there, you know, when we started this whole discussion, we talked about finding your one thing, whether that's the weather or that's a flower or that's a walk or that's a hug, but also don't disregard the fact that there's a lot of people around us that are in need. So nothing wrong with making that thing, going and helping someone else. And you'd be surprised how much that helps you. <laughs> All right. So let's, let's think now for the, I'm going to set up the next question by thinking about that man or woman out who's out there, who's on the brink of going into that struggle and depression and that going down to that point and think about, does everybody have to go to that point? Or is there something that you could do to help yourself before you fall into that abyss? So that's my setup, and here it comes. Based upon what you learn from your story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? I'm so happy that you brought up this question and how you phrased it. Because in particular, when you already experience severe anxiety, when you're already experiencing depression, it's very difficult to get out of it. Regardless what the reasons are, when you already let yourself to fall into it, it's very, very difficult to get out of it. So the best thing that you can do is to make sure that in your future, you prevent yourself from going into that mode. It, in regards to everything, it's much easier to prevent something than deal with it when it already happens, including anxiety and depression, in particular depression. So it's very important to understand we are all very different and for a different person, different things work. And you need to be disciplined with recharging yourself. So in particular, when we create our schedules, what do we put first? You know, things that we think are important, like meetings and deadlines and, you know, what is we doing career-wise or business-wise. This is what we put first into our schedule. But actually, the very first thing that we need to do is to put things that recharge us, things that bring us joy in particular. For someone, it could be maybe catching up with friends every Monday night and go see a movie or go out for dinner or, you know, go roller skating or whatever it is. So you can put it in your schedule that every Monday night you're catching up with your friends. And then you can add variety to it. You can meet with different people and do different things. But it's going to be in your schedule, that thing that's going to recharge you. So every day you have to have something for at least 10 minutes that brings you joy and that gives you energy and helps you to recharge physically and mentally. These are the first things that you need to put into your schedule. Mm. So this is one of the things that you can do in order to prevent anxiety and or depression. And it's also very important, as I mentioned, sleep is the most important thing that you can do for yourself. I'm not going to go into much detail. It's a very vast topic. And mm. I'm going to release an ebook in a couple of weeks. And the very first chapter in it is about sleep. Because this is the most important thing that you can do for yourself. So put your sleep into your schedule as well. Make sure that you go to bed at the same time. It's not about morning. I mean, morning routines important, but and everyone is talking about them. But actually, 
evening routines are more important than morning routines. And going to bed at the same time is much, much, much more important than waking up at the same time. Mm. So schedule, put it in your diary, what time you go to sleep, 9 p.m., 10 p.m., 11 p.m., whatever works for you. But be disciplined about it. Make sure that you unwind before going to sleep, that you're not on your mobile phone all the time. But read a book, go for a walk, call a friend, find other things to do than watch TV and be on your mobile phone. So schedule your sleep into your calendar as well. Sleep and other things that recharge you. It's very, very, very important. Make sure that you don't let yourself burn out. And I, the way I talk about it, I say treat yourself as you would a Ferrari. So let's say you have a Ferrari or another dream car that is very powerful and luxurious and capable of going very fast and bring you joy and beautiful piece of machinery. But if you don't take proper care of it, if you don't service it, if you don't fill it up, or if you give it wrong fuel, if you don't take care of that car, it doesn't matter what is it capable of. It's not going to work for much long. Mm. You know, it's not going to go as fast as it can. It's not going to be in good condition for as long as it's possible, you know, that it's capable of being in a good condition. So while we take care of our cars, we don't take care of ourselves. But the principle is the same. If we don't take care of ourselves, it doesn't matter what we're capable of. It doesn't matter how big our goals are and dreams are. It doesn't matter how many opportunities we have. If we don't take care of ourselves, if we don't take care of our health, if we don't make sure that we have proper levels of energy in particular, that doesn't matter. You know, when I burnt out, I had really grand plans and great opportunities. And, you know, but because I burnt out physically and mentally, I was more physical burnout than mental. But when you're in constant pain and when you're constantly tired and then you can't sleep, you burn out mentally as well. Mm. So when I burnt out, there is nothing I can do, regardless of my dreams and opportunities and abilities and skills because I couldn't function. Mm. So it's very, very important to make sure that you are in the proper state of mind and state physically. And I would like to add to that analogy with the Ferrari that it's been proven that when cars participate in a race, in a Formula One race, it's not the cars that are more technologically advanced that win. It's the cars that have a better pit stop strategy. Mm. <laughs> This is how important that is to take care of yourself. Great way to think about it. So for the audience out there, the challenge is what brings you joy? Do it. Schedule it. All right. Last question. What's your number one goal for the next 12 months? I would love to give value to more people. I would love to have more speaking opportunities. I would love to publish more books. I would love to run more trainings. I would love to be on more podcasts like this Mm. one. Mm. I would love to have more conversations. I would love to have more collaborators. I would love to find more collaborators. Mm. It's For me, it's about helping others. So I would love to reach out to more people and help them to transform their lives, to be happier and healthier. So, yeah, the main goal is to get through to more people and help more people through this year. Beautiful. And you've done it today. I feel the connection and I know the listeners do too. Well, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. 
Remember to go to myworstinvestmentever.com slash deals to claim your discount on my How to Start Building Your Wealth Investing in the Stock Market course. As we conclude, Maria, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. And on behalf of ASTOTS Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Thank you so much for having me. I had a really great conversation. And yes, I just would like to highlight again, start working on your three-legged chair. Make sure that you're not only focusing on your professional fulfillment, but you're building proper relationships with people around you. And most importantly, that you take care of your health, both physically and mentally. And the most important thing they can do for both mental and physical wellness is to get proper sleep. Mm. This is the most important thing that you can do for yourself. So please get more disciplined with it. Beautiful. All right. That's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and protect our wealth and our health. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott, saying, I'll see you on the upside.